Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Gridiron Blitz Podcast, your weekly source for women's American football, insights, game recaps, and NFL News Weekly. Subscribe on Apple and iHeart. Welcome to Gridiron Blitz, episode 455. Oscar Lopez in the house. We'll be uh, joined in about an hour or so uh, with Mark Simone, a.k.a. the backseat coach, as we're going to break down everything that happened on the WFA 2023 Conference Finals, a uh, big game in Boston versus Alabama, uh, a nail-biter at New York versus Baltimore, which I highly encourage you to go back onto the hub, get the link right there, T&D Sports. And uh, Pat Brown, awesome call there, and an amazing game down to the wire, fourth quarter. Uh, amazing performance by Karen Mulligan and the New York Wolves as they punched their ticket to the final. They'll be taking on the Oklahoma City uh, Lady Force. And also Oklahoma versus Nebraska, a very impressive matchup there too. Uh, Nebraska holding down um, OKC to 24 points. Shout out to the salty one, Mackenzie Brooks and her squad, doing a great job there. Uh, unfortunately, OKC moves on to the final, and they will face the New York Wolves. Uh, then it was uh, New, New Mexico Banditas uh, over Zydeco, and it was the um, West Palm Beach Coyotes edging Maine 14-8. So a lot of things to dive in in the second hour with Mike uh, Mark Simone as we break down everything that happened July 8th, and we'll give you a, like a pre-preview of what we think is going to, you know, who's going to stand out. Uh, and then next week we will give you the preview before the finals as to who will uh, basically move on and become uh, national champions in each of the three tiers of the Women's Football Alliance. So, interesting July 8th. Go to the hub, facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. That is the place to be. A lot of things happen this week in terms of the sport. So, we'll dive into Europe here in a couple minutes. We'll also have two guests lined up today. We have the uh, legendary Taylor Hay of the St. Louis Slam who will face the Boston Renegades in the final the pro final uh, on July 22nd at Hall of Fame Village in Canton, Ohio at Tom Benson Stadium. And then in the second hour, uh, about uh, an hour and a, hour and a half ago, uh, hour and a half or so, we are going to have the uh, talented uh, Tanya Guzman, the quarterback of the Cali War, uh, Mexican national team member as well. So we're going to dive into her and about her experience in the WFA, what to expect for her if she's returning next year for the 2024 or if this is going to be it for her in terms of the, you know, experience in terms of the WFA. So we'll dive into Tanya in a second hour, about uh, 10.30 or so. We'll dive into her and kind of get a perspective as uh, before we end the show. Uh, but other than that, before that, we're going to be diving into Europe here. Uh, and before we dive into Europe, make sure you guys go to the hub, facebook.com forward slash Beauties. And if you're inclined to like, share, and subscribe to our podcast, make sure you go to uh, Apple and Sprecher. Uh, right there. Uh, the links are right there at the hub as well. And also, uh, we are now on Threads, uh, IG Threads, which is uh, similar to Twitter, I guess, in a lot of ways, uh, without no hashtags, which is pretty cool, I guess, in a lot of ways. So uh, Threads is off uh, IG. So if you haven't followed us there, you probably will get a request to follow us uh, as soon as you open your account or transfer over to Threads as well. Uh, normally, it requests everybody that follows you on IG to kind of follow you on threads. So it's a pretty cool platform. Check it out. Go there. I think we're almost at 100 followers right now. Uh, hopefully we'll get to the, you know, 7,000 or more that we have on IG. But uh, overall, that's where we're at, threads. 
So if you get the link right there, um, and you can also you know follow us on Threads on IG. All right, you can always follow us on Twitter as well, um, and at Gridiron Beauties on Instagram. All right, if you go to the hubs, uh, we were getting ready for the weekend, and then on top of that, the, the big clash over in Sweden, as it was the Karlstad Crusaders uh, looking for their sixth Super Series Women's Championship uh, against Gothenburg Marbles. You got the preview there. Unfortunately, we said this had to be the biggest game for Gothenburg to even make a statement. There is nobody in the Super Series that was close enough to the Karlstad Crusaders, and they proved it completely. 60-0 to zero was the victory in the Swedish final. Uh, you get photos and everything there, including the preview uh, from AmericansFootball.SWE3.SE. So uh, the Karlstad Crusaders, Linda Johansson, named MVP of the tournament, of the final. Uh, so shout-out to uh, the Karlstad Crusaders, six consecutive championships in Sweden. What an incredible accomplishment. Um, I think in terms of the overall scope of the series, in terms of the league itself, uh, there's a lot, a lot to go still. Uh, I think Gothenburg being second was probably the standout of all standouts. Um, it was, uh, I think, last week they beat, uh, they edged AKI, AK, um, I'm sorry, AIK, uh, 12 to seven. That was on July 2nd. But Karlstad really romped over uh, North Copen, 61 to zero, and this this result was no different. So 60 to zero. Uh, you get the uh, if you go to our gallery on Inst- on IG, you get to see Carl, uh, Linda Johansson and her and her uh, teammate there winning the championship. You go to the uh, the hub, you get everything there as well. So congratulations to the Karlstad uh, Crusaders who take advantage of uh, being dominant. Man, they were just they were just killing everybody all season, and they uh, do the same in the final, 60 to zero. Uh, in the in the uh, finish season. It was uh, week five. We said Turco 20, 23 to 14 against Helsinki. Week six, Tampiri 14 to zero. And then coming up this week, I believe it's Turku taking on Tampiri, which is the one game we want to see in the finish season. We've got five weeks left there. Uh, this is probably the two, the two best teams. Uh, Helsinki has been sliding the last couple weeks, uh, losing those two tough losses. So this is going to be the, uh, the, the series that we want to watch for this weekend. So we will keep tabs on it. So it'll be Turku against Tampiri, probably a preview uh, of the final this coming week. So that should be uh, pretty interesting. So we'll see a pre-preview of the finished final. Um, we'll go into details there as well. So, and in Germany, uh, let me just get my notes here. Germany, what we got here in Germany? Uh, let's see here. Um, so in Germany, this weekend, or last weekend, July 2nd, uh, it was Odenberg Knights, uh, Losing 19 to 8 against Lithenham Venom, then we got Cologne Falconets 36 to 7 against Boston Miners. It was uh, um, Molham Shamrocks rebounding 14 to 6 against uh, Solingen Wolperdal, and then it was Roju Pioneers uh, losing to Redenburg Phoenix 62 to 0. Also had last uh, the weekend of this past weekend, uh, this the eighth that was uh, Boston Miners. Uh, versus Shamrocks, so Shamrocks 20 to zero victory there. That's kind of surprising there, but uh, um, Boston has uh, failed to score a lot this season. So they they got shut out last the last game. They got they got only able to score seven points against Cologne. So that was interesting there. But 46 um, 41 was the nail biter, and that was Rosenberg taking on Leipzig Hawks. So that was a really good matchup, uh, and so interesting to see how that they're going to fare. But 
Coming up here on the 15th, Hamburg Blue Devilins taking on Odenburg Knights. We're going to see Malsham Shamrocks taking on Cologne Falconets. Hamburg Amazons taking on Kill Baltic Hurricanes. And Amazons, like I said, really, really awesome. They got that one victory against the uh, Berlin Cobras a week ago. Uh, it was an interesting uh, shocker for everybody. And so uh, they're going up for another uh, consecutive win here against Cal Baltic Hurricanes. Hurricanes have not played that that great this season, so could be an easy win for Hamburg. Uh, at Colon, Solinger, and Brokbrow, the combined team, um, I, I don't know if they're going to get a matchup there. It was, kind of, it was blank, so I don't know if that's the case there. Uh, Sarlon, Sarlon Hurricanes taking on Stuttgart Scorpion, the champions. Probably not going to fare well there. Stuttgart uh, still the dominant team from last season. And they are, haven't been, you know, haven't let up at all. We got Aldrich Com- uh, Comets taking on Electric Hawks. It'll be Maine's Golden Eagles taking on the uh, Red Drew Knights Tobling. And then it will be Manham, uh, I believe, against Golden, uh, the Golden Dragons. And Erlogen Rebels taking on the Munich Cowboys. So that's going to be an interesting clash of clashes in the DBL, uh, DBL 1. So as it stands right now, uh, DBL North. It is Hamburg 4-0, Berlin Cobras 2-2, two two, Kalbeck Hurricanes 0-4. In the south, Stuttgart is at 6-0 undefeated, uh, Erlingen Rebels 4-2. You got Munich Cowboys 2-4, and, and then Sarlon uh, Hurricanes at 0-6. And, um, and then you got Brunswick Lady uh, Lions in the north 6-0, and uh, Hanneberg Grizzlies 4-2. So interesting um, development there. And then if you go into um, – the West, Cologne Falconets, um, I believe 8-0 right now. Uh, Erchen Cologne, 4-2. Munich, 4-4. Solingen Gopert, 4-6 at this point. And then Bochum, 0-8 oh, uh, for the prospective leagues. In DBL2, we have uh, Sabian, Hurl, Sabian Hall Unicorns, 4-0. Oh. We got Maine Golden Eagles, 4-2. Uh, the Pouring Golden Dragons, 2-4. Monaghan, Badenzam, um having farewell, Red Knights also 0-4. And then you got Regenberg Phoenix, 8-0, Algae Comets, 4-2, Lepic Hawks, 2-6, and, and then Rogu Pioneers, 0-6. Uh, so that's the rundown uh, in Europe at this point. So looking forward to see how that, that's gonna, they're going to fare um, for this coming weekend. But if you go back to the hub, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we got a lot of stuff happening. So uh, this other, the other thing that was happening was over in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, really awesome event. Uh, the one championship, which is the uh, Americas, Americas, the IFAB Americas Championship in the flag realm of things, and we spotlight that because that is the one of the tournaments that's going to be the qualifier for the IFAB World uh, Women's World Championships that's going to happen next season. Uh, the 17 and under girls. Uh, did an amazing job, uh, USA team, of course. Uh, they won all three of their matches, uh, the first one against Japan and then against Mexico, two of the Mexico teams that qualified for the tournament. Then the national team, in terms of the uh, women's, it was first day, it was USA uh, taking down Panama, 40-6. to six. Uh, and Then it was 54-2 to two against Chile, and then it was 41-8 to eight against Brazil. Ultimately, they were the ones that came up against Mexico. Mexico also fared pretty well um, on the first couple of days. So it was 3-0 uh, for both Mexico and Team USA, and that fared pretty well there. You can get the live uh, feed right there, uh, one of the preview matchups from IFAB Media. It, it was the uh, USA team taking on Panama 44-6. to 
You can see the Vanita Crouching Company, uh, the team has been revamped, uh, more of a youthful team, a lot more speedsters, a lot more uh, lightweight, uh, more quickness. Um, so, it's a, you know, if you want to re- revisit that, you can watch the IFAB America's Championship right there, also on the Olympic Channel, on IFAB.tv, or you can go back to usafootball.com forward slash watch. So you get all the excitement there. So we had all the uh, excitement that was happening there at the sport in terms of the flag scene. I uh, got some of the action there in terms of uh, AmericanFootball.sport, which is the IFAB website. So you can go right there to that. But you got all the photos there as well, some of the exciting matchups. Uh, the USA 33-6 to six against Panama. USA 54-13 to, 54 to 13 against uh, Canada. That was the uh, 15 and under girls national team as well. So it was a great day for Team USA overall in terms of, you know, the overall atmosphere. Uh, and then, uh, you know, so it was an awesome weekend for girls uh, flag football in terms of the women plus the girls under under 12, under 15, under 17 uh, teams. So they're really, really cool. And that was from everywhere uh, in terms of Mexico, Canada, Panama, as far as Chile, South, South and Brazil as well. So, yeah, really awesome uh, tournament that happened this past weekend. It was, I believe, uh, the, uh, the the 5th through the 8th, if I'm correct. So that was the, the, the tournament that was played out there as well. So um, so you get to get, go to the hub, facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties. You get the uh, great uh, visuals right there that we shared. You also get a nice little a story uh, from the charlottespost.com that featured Amber Clark, uh, featured Amber Clark of Team USA number 10, to feature there as well. And then uh, we also get uh, a cool other features in terms of, like, um, BBC.com doing a feature on Cardiff Mockeries of the NWFL UK. So really interesting article there. And also, don't forget, there's a link there. Go to Threads. We're on Threads on the Threads app as well. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Grand Beauty. You can go to the Threads at Great Iron Beauties as well. So check it out right there. Um, we're going to be talking uh, basically second the second half. We'll talk about, like I said, the conference finals. Really awesome. Uh, WFA did announce today or yesterday, uh, WFA will present the third annual All-American Girls Football Clinic at the Hall of Fame Village. That will take place uh, July 22nd, the weekend of that July 22nd. So it's going to be awesome. It's been uh, the third one here. Looking forward to that event as well. Um, but uh, you get to see some of the, uh, some of the awesome uh, previews there. And then uh, we did share some videos from the U.S. national football team. We need a crowd to, to Madison Full, full Ford. So uh, you can watch the women's gold medal game at IFAB Media America's Championship now at usafootball.com forward slash watch. All right, so we're going to go into the huddle, zazzle.com forward slash Great Iron Beauty. That is the place to be. Um, you go right there, get leggings, anything else. Plus you get Marvel, Disney, Star Wars. Uh, you get wedding stuff. Everything. Uh, so if you are inclined, go to Zazzle.com for slash Grand Beauties. If you don't get anything from us, not a problem. You can also get stuff from Zazzle. And if you are, want to subscribe to Zazzle Black that in the United States, that would give you a year's free shipping. So check it out, Zazzle.com for slash Grand Beauties. Check it out. All right. Let's go on. We're going to go to the interview here. We're going to be talking to the legendary Taylor Hay of the St. Louis Slam, the undefeated St. Louis Slam as they uh, took care of business against Minnesota Vixens. So let's bring her in the house here. Hi, Taylor. How's it going? Good. How are you? Doing great. Uh, congratulations. Great win. So I got to watch that game. So uh, 
just uh, just business as usual, and here we are going to Canton. Yes, yes, thank you. What did you think of the game? Did you think of uh, uh, the first half? Well, I think it went well. I mean, we obviously knew um, how hard it was to – going into the game to beat um, a team three times in the same season. Um, we also knew uh, we respect Minnesota. They have great coaches, great players, and um, that it's always go big or go home during playoffs. So you, you get a different team in playoffs. So we knew that. We knew that they would work hard and put some different things into play that we had, you know, maybe not seen in the regular season. And, and they did. And then we also knew that, um, you know, they, they were traveling you know, 10 hours to play. So um, it's playoffs. Like they, they were going to, they were going to give us a game and, and they did per usual. Uh, and we, we also prepared for the same, you know what I mean? And they were peaking in their season. Um, the only two losses they had were to us. Um, so we need to make sure once again, um, that there was no, you know, uh, question that we deserve to be where, where we were. So the game plan, uh, Aaron Kelly was kind of riled up a little bit. Uh, it just became one of those things where you guys defensively were able to mediate that, and then overall you guys were able to punch in, you know, the scoring as often as possible. So, you know, a double-digit win, not surprising to us, but it was in a way because, you know, it was like, what, 20 to zero, 20 to zero uh, up to 20 points they held you guys during the regular season, and, and here uh, it was a little bit more, uh, you know, of, like more firepower from you guys. Yeah, for sure. The first game, it was at home, um, and we just – a lot of penalties, um, some that you want to argue about, some that just were what they were. Um, so we did shoot ourselves in the foot a few times, lost a lot of yards, couldn't get a rhythm offensively, even though we did um, score, you know, a decent amount of points. Uh, defense is really what kind of held us together in those two games. And um, in Minnesota, they had a few opportunities to score, and they made a few mistakes and weren't able to punch it in, and we were lucky um, because of that. Um, and so I think this game, going into it, we wanted to make sure that we put points on the board um, and then also getting up on the board allows rookies and maybe, you know, um, second string, third string to get some, some minutes in too as well. So so the only scoring I think was one, uh, the, the one last regular season game with the score on. But other than that, nobody had scored on you guys all season. So defensively, I mean, you guys were really good in terms of, you know, running, containing the run and obviously, you know, batting off on, on the passes. So this game kind of displayed a little bit of both. Um, were you happy with the performance in terms of, like, an offensive standpoint and then holding them down to, like, you know, 27 points, which is probably the, you know, they got going eventually in the second half, but, but you know, you, you held them to 27. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, a win is a win, and, you know, in regular season, that goose egg was super important to us because of Massey. So now I don't think – I mean, you take it personally, get scored on, but at the same time, offensively, we're able to give back exactly what, what they give us. So when you get scored on, it doesn't feel as terrible as it, as it did, you know, or as it would have in the regular season. Um, and, you know, Coach Q, when, they, when we threw the interception in the last game, he kind of, like, chuckled about it because he's like, you know, we debated uh, – you know, getting scored on on purpose almost because so you guys can understand and feel um, what it feels like. But we, we took it so personal. Um, you know, obviously, mm-hmm. Jamie, our quarterback, throwing the interception, um, you know, apologized to the team immediately. And it was just, you know, because we, we do take it personal. And we weren't sure, you know, getting scored on by, you know, a team that was winless for the season, even though obviously we respect Derby City, um, you know, what that was going to do to Massey, as you saw what happened to Cali. 
Um, so we just wanted to make sure we secured everything. Um, also having playoffs at home because as you know, travel is expensive. So we were disappointed in it, but you know, we know going into playoffs, someone's going to score on us. I mean, Cali scored on us, um, Minnesota. And then, you know, we expect to go back and forth with Boston as well. All right. So the season in a nutshell, Taylor, I know there was injuries, uh, probably have a couple of players still not able to come back. Um, so is, in a nutshell, are you guys like 90%, 80%? I mean, what's the, the overall like roster healthiness of, of everything? You know, overall, um, you know, Coach Q always says, are you injured or are you hurt? So if you're hurt, it's like, you know, we're, none of us are at 100% throughout the season because, um, you know, it just is what it is. We, we put so much work into it. Um, we did lose three. Um, one was a rookie was probably going to be pretty promising. The other two were, were hard, pretty gut-wrenching early on. Um, both All-Americans, um, both defensive players, so also captains. So hurt, um, but they show up on a regular practice game. So, um, you know, seeing them on the sideline, I think, is a constant reminder to us that you can never take it for granted, but also, um, you know, if they could put in the work, they would be. So, like, you have no other choice, you know. So um, we've had some people step up, some rookies step up, and then uh, also some people that, you know, been on the team a couple years that, that have had to – to step it up as well. And um, I'm as a captain, as a veteran, I am very proud of where we are. Um, We always have work to do. Um, We left um, a lot of mistakes on the field against uh, Minnesota that we have to clean up um, before going into a game like a team, you know, Boston. So. All right. So um, let's talk Boston. Uh, Alabama didn't anticipate that type of result. Everybody else that shows up in the East, you know, whether it be D.C., Pittsburgh, you know, everybody in, in terms of the East Coast wing, they already know what, uh, what Boston's all about. You know, we talked to Alexi Florence, and she puts the tone on it, Boston, right? It's like, oh, my God, it's Boston. Um, mm-hmm. So more, more of a, like, I wouldn't say a nightmare deal, but it, it's more like an awareness, you know, tone. Um, you've seen film on them, obviously, already throughout the season. Um, they, they have a deep roster. They're able to, you know, dissect the running back, you know, by committee, which is different types of, you know, basically running backs. Um, and then you also have, you know, the nice line that, that's been very good all season. And then they threw Whitney Zeely on defense. <laughs> like, how unfair is that? <laughs> like, yeah, oh, I my God. That. That. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's just so unfair. Anyways, and she's been, like, very impactful. Probably happy that she's not getting up. Uh, bruised on right defensively that well, she's yeah, actually going to sure. be punisher um yeah i mean we have been pre- preparing i actually spoke with a, a boston reporter this morning he uh follows them and he wanted some insight on you know like our preparation and things like that and you know he kind of worded it like basically how do we feel about sharing a field with such a powerhouse and you know of course uh confidently i had to give him the stats of the slam because sometimes the slam um, isn't always in conversation with the Texas or, you know, or the Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And, you know, uh, sometimes they get lost on, on people who don't follow football. But um, I let him know, you know, obviously we respect them. Um, we we never go into games thinking that we're just always just going to you know, run the score up and we're just better than people and that we don't take the time to prepare. Like I said, we've been preparing for Boston since January. Um, because with the expectation that we would be in the championship and they would be, um, especially after what happened last year, 
Um, so a lot of respect for them. Obviously played them last year. So we, um, if people add people, like you said, Whitney Zeely, um, always have to respect that as well. Um, so we're going into the game. We're, we're not intimidated. We're, we have a lot of respect. But we uh, plan on, on putting on a show just like they plan on putting on a show. Um, I, you know, numbers, uh, you know, could affect things as, as we saw last year, but we do have a few mm-hmm. more bodies than last year, even with the injuries. And, and I think uh, we have a chip on our shoulder. So uh, I think that's enough to, to give everybody a show. Um, I'm not going to be on Facebook uh, like some of the people on other teams. Um, I'm not going to go back and forth. Um, like I said in that one statement, um, everybody would be lying if, if they didn't say that they're, they believe in their 11 over anybody else's 11. So I know Alabama right. seemed a tad delusional to some, but um, I would take every one of those players on my team, um, the Alabama players who believe that their team, you know, they'll, they'll fight to the end of something. Um, sometimes teams like the Dallas and the, and the Boston's are examples of teams that have the resources, right, for a lot of things, whether it's coaches, whether it's training, whether it's uh, fields, um, recovery resources, it's, you know, I just think that plays a role. Um, and fortunately enough in St. Louis, we have Coach Q, uh, Quincy Davis, and, and a few others that, that sprinkle in their knowledge, and we have the support, and we operate as a family um, before we operate as a football team, and I think that's, that's one thing that makes us very unique. Um, so we're, we're preparing. Um, we just actually just got off a two-hour film session, so before, before this call, so um, we will have practice tomorrow, practice Thursday, film Friday, film Saturday. You know, so um, we're, we're putting in the work. We're not we're not going somewhere blindly, even if it is only eight hours away from home. Um, we're, we're definitely going to be prepared. Taylor, um, what do you think of them in terms of like their scheming and you know, obviously their their depth really helps them, right? Because they they got more than enough to switch around and everything else. So. I think Alabama really didn't anticipate that. They got they had Kelly Smith being the offensive line, but that's just one player. And it, once they became one-dimensional, I mean, you're dead on in terms of uh, Boston, right? Because you got to keep them on your yeah. you got to keep them on the heels. Otherwise, you know, you could become you become one-dimensional. They they tried uh, they tried Smith, and then they try to get Collins uh, uh, Collins um, Binsley uh, trying to like you know switch it out, but it just didn't work. So. Overall, you know, I'm pretty sure you saw the game already. Overall, they, they they just got outmatched, you know, basically the whole game. Yeah, yeah, we did actually. We did just watch some of that, and um, honestly, Coach Q did switch to a different different film session or different film um, of them because he said, like, you know, Alabama is one dimensional, but we've we've known that. Um, you know, Kelly Smith is a great athlete, um, but. If you watch film, I mean, she, I mean, she had like six touchdowns in one game. I think the first game of the season. Um, so, as you know, I mean, if that's all you're able to do, it's, it's like you said, one dimensional. So we can shut it down pretty easily. So um, we, and they did have our own defense, and I think that helped them a little bit. Um, but with Boston, they're disciplined. So um, they have athletes, but their their one thing is that they're very disciplined. They they make very few mistakes. Um, they do have an army. So you know if the first line of defense isn't doing what they're supposed to. Everybody subs off at one time. We bring on a new 11. You know, the first 11 gets to go on their iPads and see what they did wrong, and then they switch it back. You know what I mean? So, like I said, resources, uh, you know, play a major role in, in a lot of their, their success. But I also think that, um, you know, similar to us, we haven't necessarily seen um, anyone this season um, that I think has challenged us the way that we want to be challenged. So, uh, last year, 
allegedly the football world wanted this game in a championship. So um, we're grateful that we um, have the opportunity to, to give the football world what they want. So um, they run a very, um, their offense is great. I mean, obviously you have a veteran quarterback of 20 years, so it, it's got to be. Um, and they, they're very fluid. They're very smooth. So um, like I said, we're watching film. Once you know tendencies, as you know, in football, um, it makes it easier to move um, defensively. Um, they move at a fast pace. I think that's what catches a lot of their defensive players, the defensive players on other teams off guard because they may know what the play might be uh, according to formation. But, you know, if we're moving at a fast pace and we're tired, um, it's hard to think, you know, and we've been conditioning for <laughs> since January for, for a game like this, for the pace that Boston runs. It's not, you know, for the DCD, you know, Derby cities, it's not for Minnesota. It's It's for Boston. So, are you like you're a veteran? You've seen them a, a long time. You guys have history, you know, winning the first title in the WFA, winning D two titles. So you're not a stranger, in other words, to the, the to the stage, right? You guys don't have right. that walking in and going, "Oh my God, it's Boston!" Right? It's, it's it's in Canton. I mean, you guys have been in Canton, but you know, and you guys have been at that big stage. So this is just more of like a, a, a class, right, for you guys? It's like a bench. Mark, this is the best team so far, you know, in terms of scope, in terms of, you know, output. And this is like you guys have put – you're putting up your – basically your, your undefeated season as well. So, like, you're, you're not walking in like, you know, four and two, right? You're walking in like six and oh. And they're walking in in the same, in the same breath you are. So, it's like a, it's like a winless – you know, it, it, both, both of you guys are winless in terms of losses. You guys both have not lost. So, it's kind of like a clash of two champions. Well, yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, Coach Q always says, um, you know, only one team um, out of all of the teams um, in, in the league, their season ends the way they want it to. Um, so we operate with that mentality. I mean, how do we want it to end? Um, and everybody has to be on the same page. And um, as long as you leave everything on the field, win or loss, like you can't ask for anything else uh, from your players, from your teammates, from your coaches. So, um, we, we do what we have to do to be prepared. And then obviously we show up on game day and, and like I said, we respect Boston, but, um, I don't, there's nobody I've played against, um, as an athlete my entire life that I was intimidated by, or, um, I didn't think, um, I could compete with, uh, more specifically, uh, football, you know, I don't feel like any team I've ever played, I've been out coached. Um, I know, unfortunately in women's football, we are all volunteers. So some teams you play, they might have the athletes and the pieces, but if you don't have the coaches to put those things in place uh, or the continuity of, of a team, then you won't be successful. Um, so fortunately for us, that is, that is a big part of our success. Um, we most certainly couldn't do it without our coaches. And I think we line up just fine um, against Boston. And I think last year, Boston um, even told us that after the game, like this is probably the hardest game or the best, you know, competition we've had in a few years, you know, um, and, you know, we, we have a few players that, that went to Texas in, in the bye years that we, we took off, and, you know, they, they enjoy playing for Texas, but they also give a lot of their kudos to SLAM and who they are as players. Um, and they also tell all of us that, you know, like, the, of course, they love being a part of Texas, and, but the difference um, is, is there really is nothing like SLAM. There's nothing like home. Um, obviously, they respect their teammates in, in Texas and love it there, but, um, you know, we we have a very unique family here, so um, I'm I'm grateful to be a part of it. Yeah, I know Tammy Moore, uh, you know, obviously a former Slam 
you know, so she's she's done well, obviously moving to Dallas as well, like to your point. Um, so, yeah. so Taylor, uh, packing the bags, uh, early leaving. You guys are leaving, what, Thursday this week, or are you guys going to be leaving Wednesday, or what's the plan to arrive in, uh, in Canton? Uh, yeah. Yeah, Thursday is our plan. Next Thursday we plan on leaving. Um, I, I did not realize. I mean, someone else might have. I don't pay too much attention to when game times are released. And, you know, sometimes with our league it's it's a surprise always. But um, I saw a 1 p.m. Eastern play, start time and a little disappointed, but it is what it is. Um, so, yeah, we'll be leaving Thursday. Um, it, it's We drive halfway, so we'll drive halfway, stay somewhere, um, and then and get a few more hours in early Friday morning. Um, we never really stay at the host hotel. Q likes to keep us separate. Coach Q does um, to just keep everything focused, so separate from family, separate from, you know, the other teams in the league um, to just keep our eye on, on the prize there. But, um, yeah, it's only, it's only about eight hours for us, so just like a Minnesota drive, nothing really crazy, um, luckily, and, you know, for our pockets <laughs> and also for, you know, that bus ride. So um, we'll be leaving Thursday. We uh, altered our practice schedule, so we'll be practicing probably Monday and Tuesday. Um, instead of the, you know, normal Wednesday, Thursday. All right. So um, big, big game for Jamie. Um, you know, can you tell us where her mindset is right now? Because she's got to play perfect what? in terms yeah, of, like, yeah, no interceptions. She... She's got to play, you yep. know, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, like, lights out. But, you know, it's got to be efficient because that's what happens with uh, when you go up against Boston. You start creating turnovers. They take advantage of it. You start dropping balls or giving them balls, the opportunities are right there normally in the red zone. So if you can minimize that. But where do you think, you know, right now, I mean, she's obviously had this great season. Now you're going up against Cahill. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. You know, um, and like I said, we respect it. Um, but, you know, she uh, she puts in the work on the offseason. Um, her mentality is, is very mellow. Uh, she's very calm, cool, collected, very rational. Um, she um, is – is already preparing recovery-wise. Like, you know, she takes care of her body. Um, you know, she makes sure she gets an adequate amount of sleep. She has no kids, so it's easy, right? But she uh, she puts in the work, and she's ready. Um, like I said, she's more of the calm, cool, collected one. Um, even with the turnover, um, nothing crazy. She might be upset with herself, but I, I, I don't often see her – turn make one play, bad play into five or ten. You know, it's usually um, we operate um, on our team six seconds at a time and with short-term memory. So each – the average football play is six seconds at a time, so you put six seconds in, um, you do the work, you make a mistake, okay, we're moving on, because if we're dwelling on that one, you know, like I said, one bad play turns into five um, to seven, ten. So um, Jamie is probably one of the best um, at doing that with the short-term memory, and she's also a captain. Um, and, you know, she's to the point in her career where she's definitely peaking. Um, and, you know, I, I have no – I have no uh, – um, doubt that she she will play lights out and she'll give everything she has. Um, she's also kind of a football guru. She loves the game. She loves film. Um, she loves understanding everything. So um, very confident in her ability to to do what she has to do. On defense, uh, you guys have been very good, gelled all season. Um, I think you had uh, I want to say Mary Alderpeter. You got Skinner uh, on on that on that front there. You got Devitt, Jandil. Um, have they been in this environment before, like an actual finals environment? Or, you know, what is their knowledge in terms of a finals? Yeah, uh, so Skinner, a three-star athlete, you know, in college and in high school. So used, used to that. Um, um, and also a leader, uh, one of the 
older veterans on our team and then was a part of the 2019 championship. Um, Brooklyn also was a part of 16, 17, and 19, and then Jasmine was as well. Um, and then, you know, Brooklyn, as our coach likes to say, I mean, she had two babies pretty much back to back and he calls it the mom crazy. So like you're a different type of person um, after you have a baby, but football player wise, he says like, we, we all are very different after we have kids and not in a bad way. Um, we have just a different sort of mentality, like nothing to lose almost, you know, so kind of dangerous, mm-hmm. especially being on defense. Um, and then, um, you know, Mary, she's just, she's an athlete. I mean, she was mid- middle linebacker last year with, you know, so all these solo tackles with one hand, you know, she had a, a club on the other. Um, and now she's a D lineman where she's the epitome of do what's best for the team, wherever you need her. Um, this weekend we needed her at tight end. She played tight end, uh, may not know all the plays, but you tell her what to do, hit somebody, she's going to do it, you know? So um, also having her on defense is, it has been, has been wonderful. And then uh, you got Kaylee as well, kind of impactful on both sides of the ball as well, including uh, receiving. So in terms of the receiving core, uh, Taylor, uh, we're looking at McMahon, McMahon, if I'm correct, Carrie mm-hmm. McMahon, and then you got uh, Jada playing on both sides, and then you got Kelsey. So receiving core-wise, uh, how do you think they're going to match up against like the Smiths? You know, the their their core. Uh, not concerned. I mean, both also. I mean, all of the receiving core athletes, D1 college athletes. So um, not not afraid of the stage. Um, not afraid of the competition, not afraid of the challenge. Um, also play both sides, uh, like you said, a few of them, and still able to, to compete on both sides, uh, you know, defensively. Key, Keanu Smith and Kelsey, um, they both play both sides, uh, not like knockout on both sides. And uh, I think that uh, we're all, like I said, we've been preparing since January. Uh, nobody, like I a lot of respect for Boston, just nobody's intimidated by it, um, ready ready for it, you know. So I, I'm not really concerned about that. I think it'll be a good matchup. Um, I think all season we haven't really necessarily seen those matchups, so it might feel uncomfortable at first, but once that whistle blows, I, I think it'll be fine. And special teams has been one of the uh, things that some teams have been able to do against Boston. If, if done right, they're able to get, you know, uh, good field position on special teams, on any kickoff returns. If you're able to, you know, get to the corners, uh, take advantage of, you know, the uh, the sidelines, you're able to at least get some sort of a, a good starting point, you know, at the 40, the 45. So uh, at this point, special teams and kickoff returns are going to be really key. So we're, I think uh, it was Humphrey that had that for you. You also had Kaylee doing that. So um, there's a couple of players that you guys have that are pretty speed speed, uh, speedsters that you're able to uh, maybe get some good field advantage against Boston. So I'm kind of looking forward to the matchup. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, Jada and Kaylee both are, like you said, um, speedsters, and they're also just dynamic, um, and they're athletes. So I think that um, special teams in, in any level of play is, is vital, and it's super important. Um, it's one of my favorites. When I was a rookie, I wanted to be on every special team because it's the most exciting, um, especially kickoff. So uh, we definitely preach that. Um, like you said, it sets the tone, uh, either um, defensively, like, hey, let's let's get them started in the 20. Uh, we get state dinners if we make tackles in the 20. Um, so it's it's a motivation to get it back there because um, it's less, less field advantage for them. And then also, like you said, uh, with Jaden Kaylee and the returns, and then we have Kelsey sometimes that'll grab, snatch a return up. But um, the more yards we can start off with, it, definitely the better. All right, guys, uh, you guys can watch Taylor in action plus her teammates 
uh, taking on Minnesota Vixen, and that was uh, courtesy of of the uh, STL. Uh, I believe it's uh, the STL, right? STL Stream. Um, yep, STL Live Stream. Yep. Yeah, live stream is, um, so you get to watch it right there at the hub, facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties. Slam versus Minnesota Vixen. It was 44-27 victory for the St. Louis Slam. They get to take on the Boston Renegades, um, multi-time champion Boston Renegades, and it's going to be a great matchup in Canton. Um, Taylor, uh, I'm not going to ask you to choose the winner in this, in this scenario because I know which one you're going for. Um, uh-huh. But Baltimore, New York, that was what a, what an what a fourth quarter for Karen Mulligan. So just to say yeah. that alone, one quarter. I mean, down, I think nineteen points. She puts up three touchdowns, plus you know just brings her team back. Twenty-one unanswered. Uh, I mean, uh, what a game to watch. I don't know if you watched it, but that was just pretty impressive fourth quarter. I, I did. I did actually watch the fourth quarter because everyone was talking about it. I said, oh, let me let me watch this. <laughs> So it was a really awesome. Ganlene uh, and and her receivers. I mean, that was just an impressive. And then she's a Hall of Famer, you know, from the Sharks. So we already knew right, what, right. What, was, what, what she's capable of throwing the ball, similar to what you see with um, you know Jamie with you guys trying to sling it, you know, quick uh, over the passes and get them inside past the secondary. So that was a really awesome game. So uh, New York will be taking on uh, OKC, very high powered, very. Uh, very very impressive all season. So um, mm-hmm. you have a take there, New York, maybe, and or against OKC. You know, I'm going to go with OKC. Um, I don't know if you remember when they before they uh, they can they combined with Kansas City when it was the Tribe and they were and then it was like the Oklahoma City Spartans or whatever. Um, and they had some veterans on there that they they do also have on this OKC team. Uh, one being a middle linebacker, um, Shea Ford, I think her name is. Uh, they, I think I think OKC is is going to take it on this one. Um, also, they've had a great year, but I just I just think that they they'll pull it off. Yeah, um, the only thing that worried me uh, the only thing that worries me about this matchup is, you know, Ayala didn't play very good for two quarters, almost three quarters, and then it took uh, they pulled her off, and then they had to bring a Mulligan in, so that you know just basically salvaged the game. So, but, you know, what an impressive fourth quarter anyways. But overall, that's the question. It's like, who are they going to go with? The hot hand, right, against OKC, who has been able to put up at least 30 to 50, 30 to 40 points all season, except for against Nebraska, which they, they were able to um, only put up 24. So shout out to Nebraska for holding them down to 24 points at that point. Um, in, the, in the D3, uh, it, it's going to be um, West Palm Beach Coyotes, uh, champions in the WTFL before they jumped over here. And then it's going to be the New Mexico Banditas, which is basically the the flair team this year, like Orlando and Arkansas and all the other teams in the previous years. Yeah, I, I, I am going to go with New Mexico on this one, um, watch some film. And, and I, I haven't seen a lot of film on West Palm, but I, I am I'm very impressed with New Mexico. So um, that's, that's going to be my pick for that game. Yeah, it's going to be an awesome weekend. So we're looking at uh, a re- uh, Kind of a, a rematch, per se, for you guys, in-season rematch from last season. So Boston, St. Louis, um, this is going to be cool to see how um, they get challenged on defense because I think they haven't been challenged on defense in terms of the offense. You know what I mean? 
uh, in terms of the yeah, yeah. Boston offense. And it's going to be nice to see how you guys fare up against their defense in terms of your offense against their defense. So it's going to be a nice clash uh, matchup there. Um, I'm anticipating this is going to be, you know, it, give it all, like you said, because you guys are coming in undefeated. They're undefeated. This is for the big price. And uh, as fans, we're just giddy. I mean, we're, we're getting popcorn and everything ready already for this next week on the 22nd. Well, well, and this is what you want, um, I feel like, you know, and um, I obviously I could be biased, but, you know, the last couple of years, one being one that we didn't participate in, you saw, you know, the Minnesota-Boston um, game, and it just wasn't what I guess the rest of the world wanted, uh, kind of predictable, at least in my in my opinion. Uh, so I would like to think that, you know, we match up a little bit um, more accurately to Boston than Minnesota did, so I guess we'll find out. Okay, well, I'm anticipating you guys are going to get a lot of stakes <laughs> coming from Kenton on that day, <laughs> given you guys get paid by stakes, as your point. Yep, yep. So That's we'll get some stakes. Um, but it's it's really nice to see, uh, you know, your your pedigree, your guys' team, the history. Uh, it's a great matchup. You know, the slam has always been championship format. Uh, Boston, obviously championship mindset. So we got two teams yeah. really – uh, with the same mindset coming into the matchup and versatile at number one, and you guys are able to, you know, fare up with that. So Cahill, Gall, you got Taylor Hay taking on the uh, International Committee, Mata and Kusinen. So uh, we we can't wait. July 22nd at uh, the Hall of Fame Village in Canton, Ohio. So, Taylor, thank you for coming in, making uh, the effort to come in here and give us a lowdown of the preview of what we're going to see on July 22nd on ESPN2. So uh, anything for the Slam fans or for the fans in general before the 22nd, what they, what they should expect from you guys? I would say to expect probably the best game that they've seen in a, in, in a while. I mean, well, since, you know, last year against them, and maybe it'll, it'll be a better outcome for, for the Slam side. Awesome. So we can't wait. Uh, thank you very much. Safe travels. We're looking forward to watching you uh, July 22nd uh, against the, the Boston Renegades. So St. Louis Slam taking on Boston Renegades. Um, did you guys need any help with the travel donations where they can fans can go to donate to you guys if you guys need help? Oh, for sure. They, um, I mean, obviously we always appreciate that. So, uh, you can go to the STL slam women's football, uh, our website. Um, we do have a Venmo. I know some people aren't always comfortable doing that. Um, it is obviously 501c3. So, um, we are a nonprofit, but everything is on our website. Um, can go to our social media handles, um, to reach out to, um, anyone, via, you know, direct message, and you can get info that way, too. Awesome. So, Taylor, thank you very much. I uh, wish you success in the 22nd against Boston, and we will be watching um, as well. So, hofvillage.com is where the tickets are to get there uh, to Canton, and looking forward to Taylor's uh, appearance um, with her teammates taking on the uh, champion Boston Renegades. Thanks again for coming in. really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, uh, so that's Taylor Hay of the St. Louis Slam, uh, who's going to be taking on the Boston Renegades in the Pro Division National Championship, July 22nd. Um, so let's bring in the Oracle of Women's Tackle Football, and that is the backseat coach, Mark Simone, in the house. Uh, Mark, Taylor, not scared, ready for Boston, basically. Oh, yeah, you know. Uh, she's one of the best in the business. Okay, let me just say that she's a football player. Been a big fan of Taylor for a long time. 
And, of course, she's not worried about Boston. Do you know why? Because that's not how you win a football game. You don't win a football game worrying about the other team and what they're doing. You worry about yourself and what you can control and what you're doing. So, you know, Taylor laid that right out. Um, and that's the, that's the way it is in football, and that's one of the reasons why she's, like, one of the consummate professionals, if you will. Getting paid in stakes, yes, but professional indeed. So you guys can watch the live stream uh, on Livestream STL right there at the hub, facebook.com, or you go directly to the St. Louis Land Women's Football on Facebook. Uh, and it was transmitted on Facebook Live as well. So Minnesota, 44-27, they, uh, they, they get defeated, 44-27. So, uh, Mark, uh, Minnesota came in here a lot better than they did the first two matchups. They did, it, they did really show a little bit more um, offense, per se, putting up 27 points. But, like, to Taylor's point, I don't think they were worried about the points anymore because this was more of just get the win and move on to Canton, whether you get scored on or not, that's to her point, where in the regular season she did have a point. You got to play the Massey game, right? If you if you yep. if you leave them scoreless, a Massey gives you a favorable return. Yep, yep, that's right. Once the playoffs come around, Massey isn't in play, and um, things are different. And yeah, it, Taylor said it like, you know, um, they knew that they were going to see a different th- team. You know, the Vixen were peaking that moment. They were um, really you know, flying pretty high with, you know, wins over Cali and then, uh, you know, uh, a win in the playoffs to, to get to this, to get to this matchup with the slam. And, uh, yeah, you know, Minnesota put up 27 points, uh, the biggest, you know, uh, amount of points scored on the slam this season, but the playoffs, all that really matters is that you outscore the other guy and, um, the slam took it home, uh, kind of, you know, ran away with it in the second half pretty much. But it, it definitely was a, uh, a good, solid effort from Minnesota, who uh, was playing, you know, their best football of the season. It was a great moment at the end of the game. Um, you know, we're going we're gonna to have uh, Jody Redlander here in, uh, in about a week or two here, um, kind of reflect on her 25 years uh, season. But, yeah, Cynthia That's great. Uh, Bryant, and then uh, Jody Redlander, uh, the last, you know, the last down before the uh, end of the game, the snap, uh, both of them. Right, they were, the only, they were the, only two Vixen out there. Yep. Yeah, uh, I thought that was really was, awesome to, uh, for them to that do that. That was very, very um, cool. Yeah, and so, I mean, they've been a staples for Minnesota for since 99. I mean, that's like 25 years. I mean, nobody's – I don't think anybody in the NFL has played 25 years, you know what I mean? Right, absolutely. Um, just one of the other reasons that makes the women's game, you know, unique and special. And that was definitely a very special moment. Um, and, you know, hats off to the slam for, you know, uh, making that, you know, helping to make that moment special. Um, uh, you can't really, can you say, after 25 years of playing, um, what I wrote on my Facebook feed, you know, was congratulate them and let them know that we're all indebted to them. You know, they, they literally made the world a different and better place, you know? So, you know, I was very touched by that scene. Definitely. And you got, you're talking about not just 
two football players, Mark, right? You're talking about football players that excelled at a high level for a long, long time. And we're talking IWFL, right? We're Uh talking WFA in the last 25 years. And they've always been able to compete. I mean, the last two seasons, they were in the, obviously in the final. The last two seasons. Mm-hmm. And then and before that, they were always in the playoffs for the most part. So they, they, they understand. I mean, they, they come from, you know, being all-stars. They come from being uh, finalists, you know, championship finalists in a lot of, in a lot of ways. I know um, Jody was, you know, thinking of hanging them up last year when she lost to Boston. But, you know, she decided to come back this year and it just didn't work out as as you think, but overall, I mean, the body of work put in from 1999, um, I mean, they, they're literally pioneers of our sport, you know? Oh yeah. Literally, literally pioneers of the sport. And, um, you know, it, it's hard, it, it's hard to play football for 25 years. I, I can't imagine mm-hmm. any scenario where it's easy. Um, cause you, you know, you change your body changes, um, New people are coming in and out, new coaches, um, new owners. Um, and then, you know, you just have your own personal changes in life, right? Uh, you know, maybe you move around, you change jobs, you know, you have kids, uh, maybe you get married, you um, uh, just so many changes happen. To just stay in the game for 25 years is really something special i mean that that's you know that's a level of love and excitement and dedication that you just you it's hard to find these days yeah i know it's 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 very um how do you call it a unique unique moment for for them too because they literally started together in 99 you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. like their journey Mm -hmm. at the same time and then, you know, yeah. uh, Cynthia, I think, is a grandmother, if I'm correct. You know, so she's been doing yeah, it for 25 years, and she's playing at, at the high level of, you know, of football. So um, just an amazing, you know, amazing two individuals. Uh, they gave a lot of heart, a lot of grit, uh, and, and then obviously very uh, astute of the game, you know, uh, coaching-wise. I mean, I, I think they'll go into that coaching realm like anybody else to stay just, mm-hmm. you know, with, with the experience of football even though, like you said, their bodies have probably given up at this point, not something that they want to do. Uh, but they're able to probably journey into that coaching. I know uh, Jody's been doing high school coaching as well, and so I'm pretty sure Cynthia will probably eventually do some sort of coaching as well. So, And then you also had um, Michelle, Michelle Braun, who's uh, also on the coaching staff. So uh, a, lot of, right. you know, a lot of what makes up the Minnesota Vixen is internal, right? A lot of those players are now Absolutely. probably convert themselves to coaches and that's why they're able to stay competitive every year, almost. Yes, yeah, that that sounds a very good template for um, sustaining a women's football organization, definitely. So, you know, I'm definitely excited then uh, for uh, Moose Raylander to come on the show um, in the future so we can hear about her plans and um, what she um, plans to do and maybe she can give us some insight as to whether or not um, you know, Red might go into coaching, maybe what she might do. Maybe we can have her on too. Uh, maybe have the both of them on together if that's at all possible. That's just a great idea. Yeah, we can I'll, have. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach out to her because I know I reached out to her before that, but, uh, you know, we could probably make that happen. I'm pretty sure she can make that happen. Uh, so we're looking forward to chatting with both of them and getting perspective on, you know, 25 years. I mean, uh, Mark, if you think of it in that scope, right, 
Uh, I think we've been doing mm-hmm. this for what uh, twelve years or something together, uh, right? Since the beginning, but twenty five, double that. Right. right, they've seen it all. Well, right? They've seen what's the eighties down to right. the, now. I mean, the changes, you know. What's the longest job? Lo- longest uh, time that you've had a single job? Like, what job have you had the longest? Ten years. Uh, if I go back job, my, like, no, if I go back to my actual job, job, it would have been like twelve years. Okay, twelve years. Most people don't even have you know work at the at the same company for for twelve years, especially mm-hmm. these days. Like, if you're at a company for like three or four years, that's kind of a long time now. So can you imagine like 25 years of playing football? I mean, not get, not getting paid for it. You're getting, you know, you're getting other rewards for it, but uh, you know, not pay 25 years. That's like gold. That's gold watch. You know, <laughs> that's gold watch uh, material right there. Your retirement. Yeah. I mean, I think gift the, I company. don't know if the slam will do it. I don't know if the slam will do it, but I'm pretty sure the slam We'll have to do something commemorative, you know what I mean? Maybe their jerseys get retired, that kind of deal. Uh, something of that nature, you know what I mean? Because uh, mm-hmm. I think that they deserve it for that long tenure that they've had. Um, and, you know, like I said, you go back to uh, the history, right? We read the books. We read the Women's American Football book by Russ Crawford. We read the Hail Mary books, right? And in those books, you know, within that time frame, uh, you know, Jody Moose Raylander and uh, Cynthia Red Ryan, they, they were all within that realm, you know, of history. So, yeah, 25 yeah, years. True. I mean, and, like, you know, we you have... know, women's football teams have, ri- you know, risen and fallen, you know, many times over that span of 25 years. So those two have definitely seen a lot, a lot, a lot of history. Yeah, so if you guys incline, uh, we did a little tri- a little post on uh, on the at the hub, facebook.com forward slash square and beauties. Uh, you get to look at it there. Uh, but congratulations to both of them for their 25 years of service to the sport and uh, pioneers as well. And, you know, legends at this point now. And then uh, Jody's Hall of Famer so as well. And then Cynthia Bryant, I think, is Hall of Famer as well. So there's no doubt. They're Hall of Famers at this point to our in our sport. Uh, Mark, oh, yeah, they should so be, for sure. We got the notice. Uh, the WFA announces uh, the trophies will be named after uh, Franco Harris. Um, so I did, you know, I, I'm, I guess I, I can say I'm not okay with it in a way because I, I totally get what Franco meant to the WFA, but, I mean, if you put it in, in perspective of, the Lombardi is an example, right? The Lombardi was named after an a, a, a impressive coach, right? That the that the NFL thought needed to be praised for, right? So my point was, you know, I totally get it. I think maybe, you know, the Franco patch should be permanent in all the jerseys, you know, in in terms of the the WFA. To, in terms of you're a WFA team, you need to have the Franco, you know, patch on your on your jersey or something, right? To, so it'll, so it'll have meaning when you hit the field, right? But I think it should have been like, you know, uh, Linda Bach. Uh should have been like a Molly Goodwin or it could have been one of the owners, you know, Andrea Douglas, somebody that represents, you know, uh, heart and grit and love for the sport and also some sort of championship pedigree that they brought to the sport on a high level. So 
I, I didn't. I did put a post out there. Nobody really, you know, commented on that aspect of it. But I think in in general, uh, I think the trophy maybe or the trophies, right? Different tier trophies. Maybe now, if you mm-hmm. if you rethink it, maybe each tier should have a different owner. You know what I mean? Each trophy from per tier should have a different owner in 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 a, in a way. Uh, yes, I you know I read the news and I also you know posted on uh, you know my Facebook page my feelings about it, um, and I'm kind of the same mind as as you, Oscar. Uh, I'm not going to say I, you know, I don't know if saying I'm against it is the right way of saying it. I understand, I understand, you know, and I think it's a it is a it is a um, an honor and a tribute for for that to happen. Um, and Franco is, is deserving of recognition for sure for everything that he has done uh, for the sport of women's football, um, you know, and his company, Aid Nation, is going, you know, as far as I can tell, you know, is going to continue to be a sponsor of the league. Um, so still, you know, Franco Harris's legacy remains intertwined with the WFA, um, but I, I also feel like, um, you know, maybe different choices could have been made that would have been more appealing to me. Um, it, this being a woman's league, I, I feel like maybe the championship trophy should be named after a woman. I'm not going to make any suggestions on that. You know, maybe the history of the league is a little bit too um, uh, short, uh, to, um, you know, pick somebody from its own ranks. Um, you know, I suggested perhaps it could be named after, you know, Linda Jefferson, uh, who is in and of herself a, a symbol of uh, women's tackle football, um, regardless of league or team. You know, we all we all know that she played for the Troopers, and we all know that the Troopers were in the NWFL, now we all know, thank, thankful, you know, thanks to Hail Mary, the book, really educated a lot of people about that. But um, I, I feel like that would have been a choice that I would have been more excited about. Um, and just some time for real talk, you know, Franco Harris, uh, his support, I think, goes to the Pittsburgh Passion first. That's something I understand. And I have no quarrels with that whatsoever. But we all know what it's like in women's football. We all know that there are different leagues. And for, um, for quite a while, uh, the Pittsburgh Passion did not play in the WFA. Um, so who's to say at some point later, maybe when situations are different, that Pittsburgh doesn't want to be a member of the WFA? Well, then what do you do? Do you still feel okay? Um, you know, with Franco's name on the WFA trophy, you know, and also if, you know, Aid Nation sponsorship follows the Pittsburgh Passion wherever they want to be. So I, I, I think the choice is kind of politically loaded. Um, I don't think that was anybody's intention, of course. And, it, you know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't sound good to say something like that. But, you know, there could be problems in the future um, by having made this choice. Um, I think and to your point, drama, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. to your point, I think those are all valid points, right? Because it's it is a scenario where the sport 
it happens all the time, right? Where the franchises yep. abandon and do something different. But I mean, to me, it's like if you're the WFA, you're going to commit to a, a legend like Franco Harris. To your point, uh, more of a Pittsburgh staple, right? Support for Pittsburgh. Overall, I think the trophy maybe Alisa King, right? Who founded the league? Maybe it's the King Trophy I, for the pro division, right? And then maybe you know, it's, I, I don't you know, think that would be two. a terrible choice, to be honest. Yeah, and so and then you know number two maybe it's the Bach Trophy for Division Two, right? Division Three, uh, you know, you, you, the Andrew Douglas Trophy or something. I mean, what I'm saying is like the trophy should represent some sort of lineage for some of the owners that have sacrificed and and had staple franchises, right? That puts mm-hmm. together the lineage of the league and saying, okay, you know, I know the Sharks were originally what IWFL, right? But they ended up in finishing. Right. In the WFA, so there, it's not like the w, it's not like the Sharks are going to reemerge and go to any other league anymore, right? It's going to be right. Andrew Douglas. It's now staple, right? She's like the right. Sharks do no, no longer exist. That would be some of a, of a trophy, right? Like the Andrew Douglas Trophy for Division Two or something or Division Three. And so, I and then Lin, Linda Bach, right? We we forget. I, I think uh, Coach Konecki corrected me <laughs> when I was saying, "Hey, this is, these are the top." teams or whatever and then he's like hey hold on here chicago force 2013 <laughs> badass and i'm like yeah well i'm so sorry about that i didn't didn't realize that right totally forgot about that so i got a reality <laughs> check from coach Konecki. yep um yep. so that's the same thing you know like okay do we do we name it the linda bach trophy right for division two or something or or the pro division um something of that nature you know some because a lot of these owners uh, my point is just mark it's not that Franco isn't deserving of the trophies, right? The name. Right. My point is, yep. I think we owe it to the longevity owners of the sport, whether it be in the IWFL or the WFA currently, we owe them an ownage, right? To put their name on a trophy so people can, can go back and go, you know, why is, why is this trophy the Lisa King trophy, right? Oh, okay, well, mm-hmm. because she founded the league and she 60 teams over 10 years, right? Sacrificed. Mm-hmm this amount of effort, right, to put together this amount of, uh, you know, to arrive in Canton, as an example, right? The body of work, in other words, to, to, to have somebody look at the body of work that somebody has done. And I think that's my debate there. So I don't know if anybody's different on it, but if you guys are listening to us, uh, obviously you guys can put your two cents at the hub, facebook.com, for slash Grand Beauties. Go right there to the podcast page, go to the comment section, and you guys can put in your two cents, whether, you know, myself or Mark are way off or whether that's, you know, something of the points that we're making are, are valid at this point. But overall, uh, that was announced uh, that the WFA was going to name the, you know, the tier trophies basically after uh, Franco Harris. So that was only our two cents, Mark, right? Just we got I, I think we need to honor uh, some of the legendary owners in terms of the trophy because I think it makes more sense for me. Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I think it makes more sense to the league. And But, you know, uh, I will also say I feel like Franco should be honored with, um, you know, some kind of permanent um, uh, symbol w- within the league, whether, it, you know, you mentioned patches, um, permanent, permanently sewn to um, uniforms. I, I, I think that is something um, that that's a great idea. Maybe there's another award that they want to hand out um, to maybe a very special player or a very special owner 
uh, in the league or some, somebody associated with, with the league, an annual award given out in Franco Harris's name. Um, you know, those things could be done too. Um, you know, uh, there's a lots of different possibilities. And I, I so hope they get some consideration. On the, in the comment boxes. And then, um, you know, I think it's a conversation to have, right? Because I think that's, we're passionate about it. We've been following the sport for a long time. And I think some of those owners do deserve some accolades. That's literally our point, basically. Agree. All right, uh, Mark. So uh, we had Daniela Yella. She was ready for Baltimore. Baltimore obviously listened to us because they were ready for the Sharks. I mean, the, the, the Sharks, the Wolves. Um, and I don't know about you, Mark, but I really thought for, for like two and a half quarters, Baltimore was going to run away with the shutout. I really thought so. It was like 19-0. Wow. And uh, New York could not get anything going. You know, and, and credit the Baltimore defense. Yeah, I, I mean, Baltimore played lights out. I, I was only following the score um, as it was happening. But, yes, you know, I saw they were up by, like, you know, 19 points. I was like, and it was in the third quarter. I was like, wow, this is wild. Baltimore is going to win. And then when I looked at my phone later, you know, it was, <laughs> it was you know, graphics, of, you know, New York Wolves are on to Canton. You know, it's like, whoa, what the heck happened? So um, I obviously missed a very good <laughs> a, a wild football game. I don't, you know, um, I was, um, it, yes, like you, Oscar, I was uh, very, um, you know, kind of excited in a way to see Baltimore performing very well, thinking, you know, maybe this is the time they'll get over the top on uh, New York. Because um, they were also a team that was, you know, at a certain point in the regular season, thinking that maybe they wouldn't be in the playoffs, right? And, uh, you know, they, they took it to the limit uh, in this game, in the, in the conference championship. So Baltimore has definitely made some strides this year. Um, you know, when you just step back from the sort of like catastrophic collapse in the fourth quarter and you just look over the course of the season – and you see where the Baltimore Nighthawks ended up at the end of the season. Um, they definitely have had a pretty, a pretty good season, a very good season, really. Uh, and they, they've uh, kind of grown a lot in their competitiveness and uh, over the last few years. It's you know that's that's not uh, a panacea for what they're feeling right now, walking away from a one-point loss. Um, but you know, in a few few weeks, I, I think they'll come to appreciate the season that they had. One thing that I will say to Baltimore is you didn't have to do face mask tackles. There's a lot of penalties for that. Uh, I think, uh, you know, it was, just a, it was just a mistake to not, you know, just, just tackle properly. Those were, those were uh, gimmies, especially in the fourth quarter. There was a couple tackles there that cost them yardage that should not, you know, they were face mask penalties. Uh, Vitok was one of them that made like two penalties for that. And that was like kind of reckless. You know, you're, you're, you know, you're almost at a crunch time here. There's no need to do that. You know what I mean? Just to, you know, mm-hmm. tackle what you need to tackle. Um, for two and a half quarters, Mark, Ayala did not show up. Ayala was pressured, uh, was throwing not 
consistently really good. Uh, she had some issues. Um, so, I mean, at some point, uh, the coach really, you know, game on the line, right? They took her out. I don't know if she was injured or not. We don't know the, the whole story at this point, but very ineffective. And so you bring in Carrie, uh, Karen Mulligan, and all of a sudden, here we go, Caparty to, Caparty to Mulligan, and the, right. the, the fireworks start. And so it's like a fourth quarter, it was 1334, Mark. Just, just go to the timeline here. 19 to 7, 1334, right? And it is first down, fourth yard, Baltimore, 1334. New York fumble, 42 captures it, right? Rose fumble, 44 in the 44 yard line. Mulligan to Castone for 25 yards. That's a 19 yard, uh, 19 yard pickup. Then Mulligan to Gandling for the touchdown at 1206. <laughs> Talk about quick. <laughs> like That's a minute. Fast. Right? Then it was, uh, what did I have on here? Oh, uh, Reyes, uh, big, big, big counter ball on defense. That was at 951. So that made it 19 to 14. Get the interception from uh, number 80 at 921. So that was, that was another big deal there. So they're trying to kill yep. the clock in terms, of, in terms of Baltimore, trying to kill the clock, which I didn't understand why they didn't do that at the beginning. You know, like in the third quarter, just starting to kill the clock and make the run game, but they didn't. So then you get a flag uh, on, a, on a run by Jones that takes them uh, to the 21, and then the, the, the penalty takes them almost into the red zone. So then it's Mulligan to Ga- uh, uh, what is it, Gallinan once again, touchdown, corner route, 21-19, 8-28 left. Okay, 21 unanswered points by Mulligan, three takeaways on the defense. So, I mean, if you're Baltimore, uh, I don't know what happened. You either slept on the wheel or I don't know what's happening. But And they got Gabby Farrell all over the place, Nanji Brown all over the place. <laughs> and then the only uh, thing that happened was New York dropped the punt error, right? And that gave Baltimore a, a score, a free score basically. A Stewart touchdown, 26-21. 447 left. So if you guys are inclined to watch it, go to the hub, facebook.com, right there, TND Sports. Uh, I will say Pat Brown did predict this because in the third quarter he's like, these Wolves have to, and they, they should make a comeback. That's what he said. So there you go. So they, they switched out Yala for Mulligan, and Pat Brown's prediction did come through. Uh, and then it was Mulligan, <laughs> Kestone, misconnect, right, first down at the New York 45. Then it was Mulligan, Kestone, Six-yard gain, second down, third and fourth. Then it Jones on a short down. And then false start on New York at 337. And then after that, it was Mulligan to Caparty. And it was the penalty, the face-back penalty down the field, 329, which, I, like I said, that was just not necessary. You could have just, just tackled her normally. And then all of a sudden, the dagger. It was uh, Mulligan uh, to Ganlin, uh 19-yard pass. It was a 217 left. Nothing really for Baltimore to do about that. And so, uh, you know, three TDs by Ganlin for Mulligan. So uh, I don't know about you, but that was entertaining. Very entertaining. <laughs> well, there, there's there's nothing like watching a, you know, a miraculous comeback. You know, <laughs> that's it's a pretty crazy. You know, what can I say? It's pretty crazy. Whenever something ha- you know. Whenever something happens like that, though, you can almost always bet the, the you know, the opponent helped that team come back with some, oh, yeah. you know, some bad mistakes, right? 
Um, yeah. It, it just kind of, you know, but let's, let's step back and like get back to the observation that like Mulligan has come into the game, right? That was a big decision. Mm-hmm. As you said, you don't know if that, you know, Ayala was injured. Uh, it doesn't really matter because it seemed to, to me like there needed to be a change at that point, you know, or you're going home and you've got to give yourself time to make a comeback. So, you know, if, if the, if, if the coach, uh, head coach, whoever, whichever coach decided to pull the trigger and put Mulligan in there, um, you know, deserves a, a cream soda for that decision because it worked, right? Um, you know, can I say Mulligan was lights out uh, through three touchdown passes. It's um, an engineer uh, comeback in the conference championship. That's, that's big, like, you know, that's some big play right there, right? So, um that's that's definitely very exciting. That's 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 a huge story for um, for the Wolves and for Mulligan. And unfortunately, you know, for the Nighthawks, it's kind of back to the drawing board. Um, uh, even though they had a very great season. And unfortunately, the what do they call that? The monkey on their back continues. They have they had mm-hmm. led in every matchup against New York this season. The two in the regular season plus this one. They had led literally over 15 points in both matchups and at the end failed to win. Got to be just brutal. You know what I mean? (laughs) Got to be brutal to watch. (laughs) Talking about the the fourth quarter, if you're going to watch that film, you're like, my God, how did we even do that? But it happened, (laughs) right? Yep. You get edged by one point when you already had the game in hand 19-0. to I just don't understand how they didn't – anticipate running the ball killing the clock they didn't do it and so new york literally woke up under a mulligan the offense somehow had life where under ayala it was kind of stuttering so you know right yeah. call like you said you, with the coach you know because that's literally yeah. what needed to happen and we're talking yeah, the fourth quarter mark 14 minutes yep. left he, he says we got 14 minutes if we can score every three minutes we got a shot and that's what they did. <laughs> Almost every three minutes, right? They scored. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to wonder if, uh, you know, maybe they had, maybe they had these like three-minute drills in their back pocket, you, you know, and maybe Mulligan was the quarterback assigned to do that. It'd be very interesting to 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 hear what that situation was like. Um, but it does bring up the question now, going into the championship game. Well. Well, what do you do? You know, who are you? Who who's playing quarterback? Sure, the Wolves. Yeah, who's going with the hot right. hand against OKC? OKC is not uh, Baltimore. <laughs> That's all I'm mm-hmm. saying. Yeah, OKC is not Baltimore, and you struggled against Baltimore. So against OKC, right. I mean, you you either got to. I, I mean, I, I love Danielle, right? We all love Danielle, uh, but as a coaching staff, right? As a coach. You're either going to go with the hot hand who brought you here and, and put mm-hmm. everything on the table, right? Because this is the final. Yeah. And I don't know if that's – I don't know if they're going to give her a shot in the first quarter and then kind of realize, mm-hmm. oh, my God, you know, what's going to happen, that kind of deal. So yeah. I don't know if that's going to be the case, but, you know, we'll go from there at this point. So, But yeah. overall, well, I, think I mean, that was a great matchup. Oh, definitely. And, you know, 
in the championship game, you know, I, I guess, you know, if they don't just pick a starter and, and roll with that one person, you know, New York better do their homework and have some contingency, contingency plans set up um, in case they need to, you know, make a change. Because as you say, Oklahoma City is, is not Baltimore. Um, and I think the, the, the Wolves are going to have to, you know, kind of roll up scores because uh, Oklahoma City has, has shown that they have the ability to put up big numbers. Yeah, I know. And, and they, Nebraska did come to compete. You know, they held them to 24 points. They're able to hold them down uh, for about two quarters. Uh, you know, shout out to Mac and, and her squad for doing an excellent job there. Uh, I think uh, OKC was held down to 24 points, which is uh, the most, I think, for the regular season. They had been held off except for uh, against Austin, right? It was like 14 to 6 or something like that against the Outlaws. But other than that, right. you know, for the playoff game, it was 24. So, um, you know, shout out to uh, Tiffany Wright, uh, you know, the running back over in, in Nebraska as well. Really good performance. Uh, Mac played her heart out as well. So, you know, OKC moves on. But this is going to be a challenge of challenges for New York. I mean, do they put their best quarterback that just got you into the playoffs or do we give, you know, Daniel Ayala a shot at the beginning of the first quarter and see how she fares? So it's going to be more mm-hmm. of an experimental type of deal, or do you just, you know, you know, Eagles aside, as they say, as a teammate, right? You got to like, okay, well, what's best for the team? We we roll with who's who's been doing who's got who's gotten us here, basically. Right. Well, I mean, you also have to remember, you know, that, you know, uh, Karen Mulligan and Danielle Ayala, they're not just interchangeable parts, right? They're individual players with different skill sets. So, I mean, the the decision as to which of those quarterbacks plays and when kind of depends on what the game plan is for um, the Lady Force, right? Because you want to be able to find ways to exploit their defense, and maybe those ways uh, suit, you know, one quarterback better than the other one. And, and that's how you make your choice. Um, so... So definitely they're going to have to get into the film study and, you know, figure out the best way to, uh, you know, approach the lady force. And hopefully that will lead them to the decision of, like, um, who's best to start the game. I think think if you go with the two-quarterback mindset committee, uh, you could probably do that at the beginning and then kind of realize, you know, what, what they're giving you, right, in terms of defense. And then you're going to be able to mm-hmm. figure out, okay, is it better to go with the pocket quarterback or is it better to go with the, someone a running quarterback? But Mulligan traditionally has always been a pocket quarterback. As long as the line holds, right. she's able to find the seams. She's able to, you know, just exactly what she did in the fourth quarter. She literally dissected her under, over the middle, it, it beat the secondary every time, and Gatlin was able to beat the secondary every time. And so, yep. uh, you know, it, it's impressive. It was impressive. So if you guys want to watch it, go to the Facebook dot com uh, go to the hub facebook.com forward slash ground beauties right there t and d sports uh the great pat brown on the call and uh if you guys want to forward it mark right forward it to the fourth quarter first first portion of the right. fourth quarter and you're going to see a thriller it's a literally it just forward you know, it to the fourth or quarter. you could, or you could watch the first three quarters and then just stop <laughs> <laughs> so 
So it really you know, if you're, win. If you're if you're a Nighthawks fan, right, you might want to do that. Yeah, if you're a Nighthawks fan, you do not want to watch the fourth quarter. <laughs> not the thing <laughs> to watch. Watch the first three. <laughs> yeah, watch the first three. Very impressive. Uh, Nineteen to zero was the uh, through three quarters, and then you end up losing by one. That's heartbreaking. But uh, shout out to the Nighthawks. They did show up for two quarters. They almost seemed like they were going to basically have a shutout, and it just didn't happen. Uh, Mark, uh, let's go. OKC, you know, takes care of business. Uh, we we knew coming in here, Nebraska was really uh, up and up because they had beaten the, in the they had won in the first round, and so we already knew that. And even Mac told us, you know, as salty as she is, hey, my team's going to come to compete, and they did. They they held them down to 24 points, which on average they were scoring over 40 points. So very impressive Nebraska squad. First-year Nebraska squad, I might add, too. Yes, that's right. Uh, you know, uh, it, everybody is impressed by the Lady Force and in D2. But, I, I, you know, so it gets easy to look past the Nebraska pride and, um, you know, what they're, what they're building there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what they're going to do uh, next year, how competitive they'll be, which I think is going to be more. I, I think they've got their stuff together. And, um, you know, they they just got to keep on growing through the off season, And once once you get back into um, practice and stuff like that, um, just trying to take it to, to the next level. Um, so very impressed with this your first year of franchise and um, uh, hoping that we'll see more great things from them. And, you know, three and three team to make it to the second round of the WFA in the first year. I mean, shout out to them. You know what I mean? That's like a, a, at yeah, 500. Good stuff. And you go yep. up against the six and O team and you beat, you beat the first round and you get into the deep into the second round. So, uh, you know that, yeah, so impressive. Uh, I mean, Tiffany, Wright, Like I said, a really awesome game or the whole squad pretty much played their hearts out defensively as well. They held them to 24 points. They, they put up a score on them. So, Really, really awesome. Um, let's see here, Mark. Uh, we also oh, let's talk Renegade. Uh, Renegades. We the overconfident fire. I think all week they were like, "Hey, we can do this. We're able to come up with this." Terry Lister was right. Not competitive. Like you're not going to beat Boston one dimensional, and you're not going to beat Boston. You know, coming in with a cocky attitude. <laughs> it's just not working. I don't care what you did on social media. There's just Boston is a different animal. Lexi Floor says it best. Oh, Boston, right? <laughs> the tone. And so uh, Alabama, uh, I can say this, uh, it was a fun trip to Beantown. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> it's been a fun trip to Beantown. Well, I mean, D.C. knows better than anybody, uh, you know, what it's like to play Boston. And for them, like, Boston week is a big week. Um but, you know, by the same token, you know, the Renegades get up for D.C. too, and D.C. week is a thing, right? Um, that's what competition is about. And, um, you know, D.C. was, you know, definitely the most dangerous competitor that we've seen so far this year. Um, their offense has explosive players. Um, but credit to Alabama okay, because, you know, I don't know if they're cocky online or whatever, 
You know, I certainly hope they have confidence because you got to have that when you play football. Kind of a smaller roster, a lot of uh, uh, two-way players. So they're heavily conditioned, um, and they're, they're tough. But Boston had, you know, the game plan to, to wear them out. It, it, it's And, you know, in the end, you know, they could not score – uh, a lot of points against Boston, and and Boston just just wore them down uh, methodically. And um, you know, watching Kelly Smith, she's what a great athlete she is. But <laughs> by the third quarter, man, you could tell that she was tired of getting tackled. You know, I don't think she faced she's she's so fast and elusive. You know, I don't know how many times she's actually been tackled this year. Like maybe not a lot. You know, that's that's like kind of how good she is. Um, but she got tackled a lot and I could tell that she was very tired, but she kept getting up, man. She finished that game, like, just like everybody else on that team. So I I just had to say hats off to all those players. They're, they're tough players and, uh, you know, they, they didn't quit. Um, so toughness award definitely goes to Alabama fire. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not, I'm not just, you know, saying that they weren't, competitive or anything like that all i'm saying is they came in they had never seen a boston matchup this way uh they got a first taste of reality in terms of the top tier team in the pro division so that's a you know kind of an eye-opener for them right as to who they're going to face if they're going to face him again if they next year as an example as uh taylor Mm -hmm. said right you can't plan for them until you face them you can watch film you can do everything but you got to be able to face them line up with them at least once or twice you know at, at one time in order for you to understand, like you said, the physicality, the mobility, right, the structure, everything. So now Alabama yep. got a got a real taste of what Boston football is all about. And, you know, for Courtney Billingsley, she was just hammered, 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 right, pressured, didn't have timing. Kelly Smith trying to run the ball, one-dimensional. Boston was right there blocking. And like you said, they just – they were bruising. Basically, the defensively, they were bruising. It, it was just one of those things where, you know, they get to see the depth of Boston, and they got to see what the overwhelming success of Boston is, and now they can go back and kind of watch that film and go, okay, what could we, what could we have done better, right, to do that? Yeah. And so, uh, and what, how we can eliminate that. But, you know, it, it does make a difference, like uh, Terry Lister said, right? When you're playing, uh, you're playing Iron Woman football against uh, a big depth team. Uh, you can only last so many quarters before, you know, at, at some point it goes bad. Yeah. Yeah. At some point it, it does, it does go bad. Um, you know, and Alabama just really from the start, like, you know, they, they couldn't get on the board. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of knew that it would be a long night, uh, basically in the first quarter, you know, once Boston went up by two scores. Um, when Boston goes up by two scores, that like hardly ever lose, like ever, like an astronomically low percentage. Um, there, are no, there, are no, there are no Baltimore Nighthawks. <laughs> Just say that. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> Woo, Russ. Take it easy there, Oscar. Wow. I'm just being I'm just being factual. Just saying. Yes. Boston usually does not collapse in the second half. That's my point. That's true. They don't have a they don't have a uh, what do they call it a collapsible fourth quarter. It doesn't yeah. happen in Boston. 
Uh, usually at the yeah, well, you know. <laughs> oh, are you talking about the musket blast or the? Um, <laughs> no, I'm the... talking about the muskets. Yeah, like the, oh, oh, by the way, get ready for the boom. That's what I hear on the podcast all the time. So get That's ready right. for the boom. That's right. <laughs> you know, we Schwartzy, our you know yep. uh, booth announcer has has to announce that every time um, yeah. because people forget. <laughs> yeah. If you forget, yeah, man, you, you can jump out of your skin. Uh, yeah. Yes. I, I mean, even I, I, how many, how many times have I watched Boston score and heard those muskets? I still get got sometimes, man. I still get yeah. got it uh, every now and then. So uh, yeah. Classic. Welcome to Boomtown, you know, that's classic Boston, right? Right. So that's like a entertaining part of the game. Classic Boston, it's like score, get the muskets, you know, just, it's, it's awesome. Um, Mark, if you're Alabama, I mean, like I said, you got an off season to think about it. You faced the best team in the nation, didn't fare mm-hmm. well, you're able to go back and mm-hmm. get, you know, dissect yourselves, right? Kind of figure out what you need to do, what additions you need to get, and then, you know, mm-hmm. get ready for 2024, right? To try to make another run into the playoffs. So, and more than likely, more than likely, if you're that good like you were this year, you you'll end up facing Boston once again, which would be the challenge once again. So, you, you basically you got a game plan for Boston for 2024 if you want to arrive here back into the you know second round. That's right. I mean, uh, just to go back to the interview. Taylor Hayes said it. Um, when mm-hmm. they start, you know, when they started the winter practices, that that was the focus. That is what they're training for. Is for Boston. It's it's kind of a it, you t- it's just a different way of thinking about things. This is a football way of thinking about things. They know that they got to get through Boston. Uh, if they're going to be the champions. So that's what they spent their whole season preparing for. And all the other teams that they play, you know, in a sense, that's practice too. They're practicing yep. for Boston. Um, yep. And sure. th- that's the mind, you know, that's the mindset you got to have. And now Alabama has, you know, they've gotten a taste. They're, they're back in the WFA, first of all, after, you know, a couple of years in the WNFC um, and so now they've met Boston. They know now they know what the target is, right? And at, for me, as as a fan of Boston, um, it was great to see Alabama um, and and play them because you know kind of just seeing the same like like four or five teams for the last like three years really un- until a championship game, and you know. We like to see a new team. Like, it's been a long time. So that was great. We want to see them again, right? I want to see them play again. Maybe that, maybe it is down in Alabama or maybe it's a, you know, maybe it's a playoff game. I don't really know what anybody's thinking about for schedules next year. But, um, you know, to as they say, to be the best, you got to beat the best. And so now Alabama knows and um, – you know, they know that they have some work to do, I'm sure. If you're Alabama ownership, Mark, you better put Boston on the map one game in, in season so you can get yourself tuned up a little bit. You know, waking up. Yeah. You know, or, I you mean, know, at least or, that, right? you know, or, or Pittsburgh or D.C., you know. Um, yeah, exactly. They need, they need to play, play pro competition in, in as many games as they possibly can. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it didn't really cut it this year, I don't think. I think but they had one pro team on their schedule. I think that was Tampa. Is that right? Um, yep. 
And so it, that, that's not, not enough. Boston. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they have to play pro division teams um, because that's in the playoffs. That's who their competition is. Right. So, so that's mm-hmm. definitely a big deal. I would, I would expect that um, Alabama would pursue that kind of a schedule. Um, obviously it's got to work out for them financially, but they're definitely, sure. I think they will definitely pursue more uh, pro level competition in the regular season. And, um, you know, it's just, they have the athletes, I think, you know, they could use more of them. So there's recruiting. Um, it's just also, I think, you know, evaluating, um, you know, your assistant coaches and stuff, uh, yep. you know, Alabama kind of look, I don't know, uh, maybe a little bit uh, shuffly on defense. You know, they never actually got into, like, players wouldn't actually get into a stance or or an alignment. And so they're just kind of like walking around a little bit till the ball gets snapped. It's like, what are you guys doing? Uh, I mean, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, as you know, to answer the question, what are you guys but doing? But you can watch but it's pretty- film, Mark. Yeah, it's pretty clear that um, they could use some defensive pointers and get on to the, uh, you know, you know, get your, you know, you got to preach alignment and, you know, your stance. It it matters what your stance is when the ball is snapped. If you're standing up straight, you're, you know, you're doing it wrong. If you're turned sideways, man, you're doing it wrong. Um, Yeah. You know, they got to get on those principles and, and really drill those fundamentals in to that defense. Uh, Mark, if we go into uh, New Mexico, uh, really good performance, 40-15 to 15 against Zydeco. We kind of anticipated that happening already, 4-2 uh, and two against a 1-5, and five, and the, the schedule wasn't as, you know, as great for Zydeco as well. Uh, but New, New Mexico, confident. If you go into uh, Coyotes, they get they edge the main mayhem. You said, you know, we don't know what we're going to see from Maine, but we did see a very competitive team. So if you're New Mexico, uh, I guess you are somewhat more confident that maybe you can compete with uh, Palm Beach since Palm Beach is, didn't have a very good offensive scoring or was Zydeco that bad? You know what I mean? Right. I mean, this is kind of what's, uh, inter, you know, one of the things that makes Division Three football um, – a little bit more interesting for me is um, it's just that the spectrum of, of what good is is pretty wide. Um, now, like I know that Maine is a pretty good team. I wouldn't go so far as to say they're a great team. And so the result of their game against, um, you know, West Palm Beach gives me kind of an idea of, of where – West Palm Beach might be. And that's to say they're only a little bit better than what Maine is. Um, now, I have much less of an idea, um, you know, what the, te- what the Division Three teams out West um, are like in terms of their competitiveness. But uh, the Benitas definitely stood out with that score this past weekend. Um, they kind of ran away with it over the, the Zydeco Spice and to me, you know, they look like this, they look like the stronger team, you know. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, they probably got, you know, former players from La Muerta, and 
you know, they're solid. I think they're a solid team. And so, like, I, I, I'll i be picking Vanitas um, to, to win this one over West Palm Beach. And Lister did give us the key to the win with Shauna Brooks, right? Mariah Bartlett. Mm-hmm. So the key to the win. So that's what the, the Coyotes are going to have to look forward to. 13 touchdowns on the season by Washana Brooks, right? Averaging over nine, almost 900 yards. It's going to be tough to contain. So uh, looking forward to New Mexico versus West Palm Beach. All right, Mark, uh, I'm going to bring in our guest here. Uh, it's going to be Tanya Guzman. But thank you for coming in. Appreciate it. Looking forward to next welcome, week. As we talk finals. We'll talk to the WFA Pro. We'll make our actual preview predictions next Tuesday before the July 22nd. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good night, Oscar. Thank you, sir. All right. So, guys, that was uh, the backseat coach, Mark Simone, giving us the lowdown on the conference finals. Uh, let's go in to get the interview here with the talented Tanya Guzman of the quarterback of the Cali War. Tanya, ¿cómo estás? Hola, muy bien, gracias. ¿Cómo andas? ¿Andas bien hoy? Sí, muy bien. Gracias por la invitación a, aquí a la entrevista. Sí, uh, Tania, ¿cómo, uh, ¿cómo estaba la temporada? Con, uh, es, es, ¿Hiciste buen uh, esfuerzo en uh, dos juegos? Uh, más de 500 yardas, fueron uh, unos touchdowns. Uh, y aparte de eso, jugaste contra, uh, contra St. Louis. So, ¿Cómo estuvo la, la experiencia en, uh, en Los Ángeles con, en la temporada? Pues la verdad estuvo muy padre. Fue una experiencia totalmente nueva para mí. Eh, digo, con muchas dificultades al, al llegar yo nueva, obviamente otro sistema y el poderme acoplar con todas por el por varias razones, digo, el idioma, sistema. Pero creo que al final este me voy contenta eh, de la temporada y digo, personalmente eh, pude aprender muchas cosas y... Y pues a seguir preparándonos para pues lo que es ya la temporada eh, siguiente del el otro año. Y pues ahorita nada más acabar este, esta temporada con lo del All American y pues satisfecha. ¿Estás este uh, anticipando un, un buen evento en Canton en, en, el, de, en el juego de, de este All-Stars? Sí, 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 estoy... este con algunas de mi equipo fuimos seleccionadas unas para primer equipo y me parece que hay como dos para segundo equipo ¿Se vas a estar a, has, ¿Has ido a Canten antes o no es la primera vez que vas a ir a, a, eh, a, a la sala de fama? No, es la primera vez que voy para Canton ¿Se va a ser buena experiencia para ti mirando todo lo NFL todo lo, lo que ha pasado ahí um, Tania, este, San Luis la jugaste ya están en el final, van a, ir, van a ir contra Boston. Estamos hablando aquí en la primera hora que en el podcast. So, este, es algo de, de mirar, ¿vas? Vas a mirar a los dos equipos más buenos en la temporada de, de la WFA en, en Canton. So, anticipando esa, ese buen juego, ¿no? Sí, sí, sí. Voy a estar ahí viéndolo. Digo, va a ser un muy buen partido. Creo que los dos equipos son muy fuertes, muy bien entrenados. Este, con muchos años de experiencia y, y yo creo que va a ser un buen espectáculo. So, uh, Tanya, uh, ¿la decisión que hiciste era antes de la temporada o llegaste a la media de la temporada? ¿Qué, qué fue la decisión cuando estés, ok, voy a Los Ángeles a jugar por, con Cali War? 
Ah, bueno, todo esto se da por varios este, partidos que tuve contra Estados Unidos y mm, con lo de la selección en Finlandia. Este, entonces, uh -huh. cuando me regresan y este, yo me vengo previo a la temporada, poquito tiempo antes, por situaciones que yo tenía en México antes o que resolver antes de venirme, entonces llegué, me parece como dos semanas antes de la temporada, entonces también por eso fue un poco difícil acoplarme al equipo, pero pero sí fue eso, o sea, yo sí llegué este desde el inicio de la temporada. Tania, este, buena temporada en Cali Wars, o esperamos uh, tu regreso en la siguiente temporada, si, si es posible. Sí, sí, claro, el siguiente año este, volveré este, aquí a Cali Wars. Ok, pues estamos anticipando otra buena temporada para ti, este, y la, el, 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 la, compet, la competencia en el, en el lado oeste de la, de la, de la división pro va a estar más este, agresiva, yo digo, en, ese, en esa forma, so, esperando más este, competencia contra St. Louis, Minnesota, ¿verdad? Todos los, todos los equipos uh, que estaban este año co contra ustedes. Um, Tania, ¿qué nos dices de la experiencia en Finlandia? Uh, ¿Será la segunda vez que uh, fuiste a Vancouver? ¿Tú también o no? No, fui solo al Mundial a, a Finlandia. Este, uh -huh. pues Para México mmm, creo que íbamos muy bien preparadas. Digo, voy un antecedente externo al equipo que fue no poder llegar al primer partido por temas ya de pues de la federación pero los dos partidos que jugamos que fue contra Alemania y Australia eh, la verdad es que nos fue muy bien digo fueron marcadores muy amplios con ventaja amplia y pues eh, a seguirnos preparando para para el próximo mundial este esperando que todo salga bien y poder llegar desde el primer partido tu experiencia fue buena en, en el torneo cuando cuando ya llegaron ahí la experiencia yo sé que el, para llegar ahí era cam, casi similar cuando pasó en Vancouver pero eso viene siendo ya de finanzas de la Federación errores y todo lo, todo el fiasco que pasó con José Barrera y la Federación pero este estás anticipando preparándote para otra vez este hacer tu este para ponerte en el equipo de nacional otra vez para el siguiente torneo Sí, sí, claro. Este, obviamente yo preparándome de forma de forma individual de aquí a que eh, sea el próximo mundial y obviamente yo creo compañeras del México igual y esperando que ahora la organización sea mejor, pero fuera de todo eso, mi experiencia personal fue muy buena, este, conociendo a más atletas con gran potencial eh, de toda pues de varias partes del mundo. Y en general la verdad es que el, el torneo mundial estuvo muy padre, es una experiencia que yo creo cualquier deportista sueña por vivir y la verdad muy contenta este fuera de todo este de, de esa experiencia. Y a, aparte de eso, miraste este uh, uh, Británica, Grande Británica, si, si llegan ustedes a tiempo, muchos de nosotros pensaba que ustedes iban a estar en el final otra vez, especialmente contra los Estados Unidos porque tenían buen equipo y no traían buen equipo ofensivo, defensivo, uh, y se, se, se supone, como dices tú, los dos, los dos juegos que jugaron, jugaron bien. So bien eh, si habían llegado a tiempo, afortunadamente no pasó, pero si habían llegado a tiempo, eran ustedes uno de los favoritos uh, antes del torneo que iban a hacer algo de impacto para llegar al, a, a la medalla de oro. 
Sí, exactamente. La verdad es que sí, este, igual nosotros pensábamos, pues teníamos esa expectativa y yo creo que este, en varios lados también las tenían porque pues era un comentario que nos hacían eh, frecuentemente y sí, o sea, yo siento que el equipo iba muy bien preparado tanto ofensivamente como defensivamente y pues digo, todo fue, estuvo fuera de nuestras manos lo que pasó, pero pues aquí seguimos y la verdad es que yo creo que las uh, chicas nunca se rinden, entonces pues esperar al próximo y pues seguir preparándonos para poder dar un muy buen papel. ¿Qué equipos est estabas jugando en México? ¿En qué ligas estabas jugando? ¿O has jugado en varias ligas? Sí, he jugado en varias ligas. De la última en la que jugué se llama Lifai, este, allá en México. Y, y pues bueno, en México la verdad es que hay bastantes ligas, pero sí una de las más fuertes es el Expa y Lifai. Eh, que es donde juegan los equipos más fuertes y pues sí me tocó jugar en varias pero la última yo estuve en Lifae so, la, la liga Lifae ha crecido también Lexfa ha crecido uh, anterior era FX, FX México ¿verdad? con la Michelle Sosa Rubio sí como y FXF era antes al principal, pues, que empezó y luego de repente es Lexfa y Lola Fai, ¿verdad? Que han crecido. Anteriormente era FXF y, bueno, posteriormente ya empezó Lexfa y Lifai últimamente ha crecido mucho por lo mismo que, pues, empezó a hacerse una liga federada y a juntar varios equipos. Y pues Lexa en el, este último torneo este no salió por falta de, de equipos, entonces pues la gran mayoría se como que se movió al IFAE. Sí, muchos mucho de los equipos que han mirado y como la IFAE está afiliada con la, con la, 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 la WFA también internacional, <risa> so, es algo de hacer de uh, agregamiento para, para venir a los estados. Um, ¿Has mirado los juegos esta semana o miraste algo de, de los juegos que pasaron esta semana en, 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 en los finales conferencias? Sí, eh, bueno, vi el partido de San Luis contra eh, Vixen, Minnesota, que, bueno, este, yo creo que la gran mayoría del partido fue un partido muy cerrado, y al final, pues, este, agrandaron su ventaja a San Luis, pero fue un partido muy bueno, este, eh, con grandes este, atletas, grandes jugadas y pues peleado, ¿no? Sí, el, el, la anticipación de, de son rivales, pues, Minnesota y San Luis son rivales anualmente, dos veces en, en la temporada y la tercera pues se pone en los playoffs. Um, ¿No miraste el juego de Nueva York contra Baltimore? ¿No, no has mirado ese juego? No, ese no, no he tenido la oportunidad de verlo. No, ese no lo vi. Si lo, si lo miras, vas a estar este bien bien en, eh, bien puesta en, en la televisión porque el, el cuarto quarter es el, el que tienes que mirar. Uh, esta, el quarterback de Nueva York uh, estaban 19 a 0 tres, entre tres cuartos y en el, el último cuarto uh, te pusieron casi 27 puntos para ganar en el final, en, oh, en 14 oh. minutos. 
es, right. es un, un juego estilo como tú, <ríe> pasando, <ríe> conectando y, y touchdowns, <ríe> el estilo de Guzmán. <ríe> <ríe> ok, ok, lo voy a ver para este eh, ver este pues esa gran remontada, ¿no? Porque sí está fuerte la diferencia de puntos y que al final hayan podido ganar con eso. Sí, lo voy a ver. Sí, un punto, uh, Tania, 27 a 26. Casi wow, uh, no. me hicieron touchdowns en los en los últimos 14 minutos, cada 3 minutos estaban uh, estaban poniendo touchdowns. Es, 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 tienes que mirarlos. Uh, si quieres ir al, a la página de nosotros, está el link ahí. Está el link donde dice New York, New York Wolves contra uh, este Baltimore. Solo vas a mirar, está en el YouTube también. So, uh, pero mira el, el, el último cuarto, está explosivo, como ah, casi como los dos juegos que tenías tú. Ah, ¿qué, ¿Qué es lo que atribuyes los dos juegos que tenías tú? ¿El, el balance de la ofensa que te dio los dos, los, las yardas, eh, las conexiones, eh, todos eh, los dos juegos que jugaste? Sí, este, pues um, bueno, yo en el equipo en Cali World está la Coreba que ha estado por mucho tiempo. Pero en los dos primeros juegos este me dieron la pues como la batuta, ¿no? de la ofensiva y pudimos eh, este completar este varios pases de de touchdown. Este obviamente ya conforme a la temporada ya nos iban eh, metiendo a tanto a la otra Córdoba como a mí y y pues la verdad es que muy buen muy buen trabajo de, de todo el equipo no nadie se hace solo y yo creo que en conjunto es como salen las cosas sí supone estoy esperando este gracias por tu tiempo hoy ¿eh? uh, ya sabía que tenemos algo de, de dificultades con el teléfono y lo demás pero uh, gracias por hacer todo el esfuerzo de uh, llegar a, al podcast y, y este para nuestros uh, fanáticos a escuchar a ti y esperando que en 2024 te miramos otra vez en Cali War para hacer impacto en el oeste de la WFA, en el Pro División. Um, so, algo para decirle a los fanáticos de México, pues, esperando uh, que, eh, que cuando vuelvas el, 24, el 2024. Sí, um, y bueno, primero ustedes, muchas gracias por, por la entrevista, por es poder eh, escucharme. Y pues obviamente a todas las personas que me ven de, de México, igual agradecerles por por todo el apoyo que he recibido en estos meses y pues contenta de, de esta oportunidad que tuve y pues obviamente a seguir trabajando para que mejores cosas vengan. All right, Tania, gracias. Uh, se supone que vas, vas a, enviar, a viajar otra vez a México, ¿verdad? Right? Eh, después del, de los eventos en Canton y esperando este más oportunidades para tú en México y es y volver al 2024. Probablemente hacemos otra entrevista antes que allá cuando llegues otra vez para la otra temporada, si se puede. Sí, claro. este Yo pues pues me regreso en agosto. Después uh, tengo un evento, bueno, igual con la WFA, que van hacia Costa Rica. este También fui... Eh, invitada para ir a este evento, entonces igual y ya nos ponemos de acuerdo para igual platicarles un poquito de mi experiencia. Ok, gracias Tania por hacer el esfuerzo de la entrevista y uh, esperando una buena temporada en el 2024, estar a, en buen salud, uh, vas a estar en el evento como dices internacional también, so, vamos a mirarte también en, en acción. So, uh, gracias por hacer el esfuerzo y esperamos este tu regreso en, en la temporada 2024. No, muchas gracias a ustedes.
Adios. Bye. All right, guys. Uh, that was uh, Tanya Guzman, uh, Cali War quarterback of 2023, and she was uh, really excited, uh, part of the Cali War success for Cali War going into the playoffs. Um, and so she faced, obviously, St. Louis, and she knows what St. Louis is all about. Uh, she's a journeywoman as well. She was on the Mexican national team uh, that competed in Finland. Uh, the one, like she said, the one team that if they would have arrived in Finland, maybe the outcome would have been different. Maybe they would have been competing for a gold medal. Uh, but things obviously didn't work out that way for her. But she's a you know, journeywoman. She's 21 years old. She's very young. She's able to command the offense. And you get to see some of the film there if you watch some of the Cali War games. Um, and she was very impressive. So looking forward to uh, uh, Tanya Guzman coming back to Cali War in 2024 and making an impact in the WFA Pro Division. So, guys, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share our podcast. Don't forget to go to Sprecher, subscribe, share your podcast, Sprecher or Apple. Uh, really awesome. Um, really appreciate you guys. If you guys missed any of our podcasts, uh, really highly recommend. Go back to 436, Grace Cooper and Coach Soho at the beginning of the season. We also had um, – Leilani Kamal, Amber Marcucci, Lexi Floor, uh, 451, Lexi Floor and T. Singleton, 449, Adrian Smith, Angelica Grayson on championship mindset. You want to, don't want to miss that one. Uh, episode 447, the, the talented Jasmine Ballard, and then episode 434 as well. Um, you can go back and refer to the, the uh, situation that Tanya is referring to about the national team's issues with Jose Barrera, and then we had uh, um, Jose Seja of Lexfa there. So 434 would be a reference to what she just made here. So looking forward to it. Um, if you guys are inclined, I re- highly recommend Paul Brown's on the call. Go back to, w, uh, to the uh, hub and please watch the New York Wolves taking on the Baltimore Nighthawks. And uh, what an amazing game. Fourth quarter, Karen Mulligan, uh, Gantlin, and the Wolves make the huge comeback. Edge, Baltimore, 27-26 probably the competitive game in the WFA uh, conference finals. So check it out. Go to the hub, facebook.com, Beauties, And don't forget to go to the Zazzle shop, get some cool gears there as well, and support the podcast. And if you're not following us on threads on IG, go ahead and follow us on threads on IG. If you get the follow request, please follow us on IG. So for the Oracle Women's Tackle Football, Mark Simone, for the absent Mac Kenzie Brooks, uh, Coach Terry Lister, Holly Custis. We'll see you here, here next week at 456 as we preview the WFA Pro D2 and D3 National Championships that will happen on July 22nd. Have a great night, everybody.